Kraken Fancast, presented by Silver City Brewery. The podcast for Seattle Kraken fans, by Seattle Kraken fans. Release the Kraken! Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kraken Fancast. I'm your host, Chris Porter. I'll be joined momentarily by my colleague, Jim Cockrell, as well as our first-time guest, our good buddy and very informed hockey fanatic, Paul Brownlow. He'll be joining us for some off-season talk about our own Seattle Kraken, as well as what we could uh, potentially be expecting from the team's Pacific Division rivals. It may be off-season at the moment, but the team's second season of existence will be just starting in, in just a few weeks. We're really excited. There's plenty to chat about. Uh, this month, we're going back to our twice-per-month frequency. We're really excited about that. And we're also, of course, very excited about being able to see our team formally start their season very soon. Our other contributor, Nathan Gunderson, is away for this episode. We look forward to having him back with us for our next FanCast chat a little later this month. Just as a reminder on our program, we, of course, discuss all subject matter about the National Hockey League's Seattle Kraken. We share news about the team, analyze their play, and go over various team-related news. We'll also at times present interviews with people involved with the team, as well as those close uh, in the fan community, like today with Paul. Uh, plus, we aim to go into some different subject matter when we can that you might not always hear on other Kraken-related podcasts. I'd like to acknowledge our very kind and generous sponsors, Silver City Brewery, located in Bremerton, with their beer sold throughout the state of Washington and beyond. Beer for one, beer for all. Silver City is an all-inclusive Northwest craft and beer adventure in every pint. Also, big, big thanks to the Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey theme bar, located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. Okay, uh, a few team-related happenings I'll start with uh, since our August edition. Uh, first off, uh, interestingly, the Kraken's broadcast schedule has been released. Uh, I'm just going to go over a little bit of an uh, article Bob Condor uh, put out on NHL.com. Uh, as uh, National League broadcast partners ESPN and Turner Sports embark on their second year of airing national games in the U.S., uh, the Kraken will once again be prominently featured during the 2022-2023 regular season. Uh, league and broadcasters announced 10 dates uh, airing Kraken games, including nine Seattle home games at Climate Pledge Arena. Interesting. Nine of the 10 will be home games. Uh, Seattle's first appearance will be uh, the Kraken hosting the St. Louis Blues. That'll be on TNT on October 19th. I think I'm going to that game. Uh, that's as part of uh, Turner's season-long Wednesday night slate. Uh, the first game streaming exclusively on ESPN Plus and Hulu is the November 11th game when Minnesota visits Climate Pledge Arena. ESPN will share, excuse me, ESPN will air uh, two national games involving Seattle, uh, the January 1st home game against the New York Islanders and the regular season finale between Vegas and the Kraken. That's April 13 at Climate Pledge Arena. So uh, cool to see uh, Kraken getting some national broadcast love. Uh, what else have we got here? Also, speaking of uh, another media thing, uh, we want to congratulate uh, Ryan S. Clark. Um, he, um, he's been the beat writer for The Athletic uh, for a while, um, and he's been hired by ESPN. Um, he'll be, um, he's our newest hockey, National Hockey League writer, uh, and uh, he starts, he already started his role, actually, he started at the beginning of this month, so uh, congrats to him. 
uh, versatile journalist with more than 20 years of experience. Uh, Clark uh, was with the Kraken in the inaugural season uh, and actually leading up to the season. And prior to that, he uh, was on the Colorado Avalanche beat. So it's not clear to me who's going to be taking over for the athletic or is he going to do a little double duty? I guess we'll we'll find that out soon. Uh, also, more in uh, team-related news, uh, direct team-related news, uh, there's a signing, another re restricted free agent uh, signing as they, these guys continue to come off the free agency board. Uh, Seattle Kraken have signed their last remaining one, defenseman Kale Fleury, who we saw a bit last year. He's been signed to a one-year two-way contract worth 750k. Uh, that's per the team. Uh, his minor league salary is 200k. Uh, is that a good move, Jim? Well, we still have one flurry. How's that? <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of, you know, I'm going to say I, I miss Hayden, but yeah, I know he he was such a controversial between the fans and the you know his playing time last year. But it's nice to have his brother around. He played fairly well considering he had to step in during injuries. Uh, no matter what, he's going to be a seven, eight D guy, but it's a good, you got to sign him and you got to continue with what's going on down in Coachella. And he's going to see some ice time in, in both sides of that. So it's, it's good. You know, he's, he's a perfect seven, eight D guy. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, he showed some good stuff last year and, uh, and he's obviously familiar with the Hextall system. So we'll see what happens, but anyway, another familiar face. We have a lot of new faces on the team, but uh, he's a somewhat familiar one and we could see him uh, kind of splitting a little bit between Coachella and, and Seattle. You never know. So uh, there you go. So those are the, some of the uh, news happenings, but uh, one thing we really wanted to focus on uh, today that uh, we, we did in an early episode uh, last season was talk a little bit of what's around the Seattle crack and what's around them. Well, the other Pacific division teams, what's going to happen there? Uh, our predictions uh, <laughs> come out all that great last year. Maybe we'll do better this year. And we've got our buddy, Paul Brownlow here, who's uh, a Vancouver Canucks expert. Uh, and Paul, I'll, I'll turn it over to you in a little bit, but uh, Jim, uh, what are our thoughts? What's going to be happening here? Uh, Cause a lot of, a lot of these teams have had a lot of changes, Calgary, big changes, um Vegas new coach I mean there's a lot going on so we can't assume it's all going to look like it did last year right correct uh we were all wrong everybody was wrong last year for the most part um and also I'd like to add that people had it pegged as a weak division it's a pretty tight division and I don't want to call it weak I want to call it good um and it's very unpredictable you know last year the standings were uh, Calgary, Edmonton, LA, Vegas, Vancouver, San Jose, Anaheim, Seattle, dead last. A lot of the early predictions and polls going around are looking like Edmonton, Calgary swap, uh, Vegas, LA, Van, Anaheim, Seattle, San Jose. I can accept that. I've got a little bit of mix-up going on here. I've got Edmonton up top. Uh, with, of course, D and goaltending be the ongoing issue, correct? <laughs> um, Calgary is going to be interesting with the exchange, you know, losing Gaudreau and Kachuk, which are huge two producers. Um, and then the Huberto-Cadre connection could be interesting. I mean, you're, you're going to get points out of Huey and Cadre is a huge big-time game player. I'm not into his game that much, but he can change a game quickly. Uh, it just will be interesting to see if the chemistry can work out there. 
Um, I've got the Kings going up the ladder, hanging out in third. Uh, they're gelling well. I like the coaching. I like the system. I like the young talent are buying in quickly. I got Vancouver on the up. I got them hanging out in four. I like what's going on there. The coach, uh, the trajectory, the fan base is all over what's going on. Uh, the front office has made some huge moves and, and it's very uplifting there. And I think that's fantastic. I got Vegas dropping more than a lot of people got them go, going down. I, a lot of people have Vegas hanging in that three, four. I actually draw, see them dropping down. Um, I, I think the karma has caught up with that club. And here's my surprise. I, I'm, I'm just going for it. I got Seattle right under Vegas with, uh, you know, the pickup of the two players and some goals and some one goal games that they're going to capture back. And I've got them plugging into 81 points for a 21 point increase. I know that's kind of lofty, but uh, I can see it happening actually. And then I got Anaheim with a little bit of struggle, even though it's kind of an even situation from last year. They have massive young talent. I don't know if they've all bought into that system yet. Uh, and I've got San Jose hanging in the bottom. So there's some movement. And I'm, I'm hoping Seattle can, can rise like that for sure. Now, that's a good rise. I think it's a reasonable rise. Two cents I'll put on there. But um, that doesn't bring them in the playoffs yet, does it? No, it's it doesn't unless there's an incredibly weak division and you got some weird wild card stuff going on in the entire West. Um, but 81 points doesn't get you in somewhere in the nine mid nineties probably does 93 to 95 ish on a bubble maybe. Um, but you know what? It would be a heck of an improvement. And this, like I said, this whole division is getting pretty locked in right now, much faster than I would have thought. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, after a lot of people thought it would be a weak division, as we all did, or mo you know, all of us here at Fancast, and 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 a lot of pundits did, it was very solid. Uh, a lot, some teams kind of maybe played over their head for a little while, but Vancouver, I didn't have really huge high expectations. I didn't think they'd be awful. I didn't think they'd be in last, but ninety-two points, Paul. Wow, they, you know, they they finished fifth, just barely missing that playoff berth by a couple of points. I think they surprised many with how they did. You know, despite not being a playoff team, obviously a bubble team, and and very well could and should be this year. I guess. What 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 are your thoughts? What are you seeing? There's been some changes with those guys uh, since the end of the season. What do you think? Yeah, and actually, yeah, well, I mean, it's a good point. I think last year was, um, again, it was a bit of a surprise for a bunch. I mean, they started out with an 8 15 and 2 record under Travis Green, right? So Jim Benning had been GM for eight years. Um, he did a, a pretty good job in drafting and had two Calder Trophy final, uh, three Calder Trophy finalists, including one winner. So in three consecutive years, had Brock Besser, uh, Elias Pettersson. And Quinn Hughes, all in you know top two or the top one uh, Calder Trophy, so Rookie of the Year. So that's pretty pretty good in uh, drafting side, but they couldn't get kind of get over the hump, and uh, it, they really just kind of fell flat in the in the first two months. So um, uh, quite the Pittsburgh game, uh, the, the game in the, against Pittsburgh in the beginning of December uh, ended with a nationally broadcast fire Benning chant that started actually with the guy sitting right in front of me. Uh, and oh, you were at all, that game! Wow. Yeah, it's right all over all over CBC. It was kind of sort and and everybody was kind of wits end. Um, just kind of to backing up. I mean, we had so have have Kraken season tickets, right? Mm -hmm. Love the Kraken team. 
have had uh, Canucks season tickets uh, since just after just after the uh, Jim will appreciate the heart crushing uh, loss to Boston um, in in uh, 2011. Um, but uh, uh, so so you know the kind of fan base kind of burnout and somebody threw a a uh, Bo, uh, Bo Horvat jersey on the ice right at the end of that. And it was kind of, <laughs> The next, the next day, they fired everybody. They fired Jim Benning. They fired Travis Green, um, and they brought in uh, um, Bruce Boudreau as as uh, coach. So you know, we all pretty familiar with with uh, his good fiery attitude, and and then uh, re completely rebuilt the front office, bringing in Jim Rutherford, who has won multiple cups with Pittsburgh and with Carolina, and then James Alvin uh, as GM. So and 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 then built out a very good diverse office. Took uh, Tammy Granado uh, out of Seattle to go to uh, be AGM for player development. Uh, brought in the Sedines, Daniel and, and Henrik Sedin, are now involved in player development, and they've completely rebuilt their farm system, and as well as uh, and and moved it uh, now to Abbotsford. Um, and so there, there's a lot more hands-on in, in this, and so that's kind of set the baseline for this, and to, and. What happened after Boudreaux came in with the same uh, roster that Benning had built, the same roster that Travis Green was built, they, they uh, played 650 hockey the rest of the year. They were at a 107 point pace for the, the remainder of the year. So they would have had. And, they had and, and one thing I will add, and all of a sudden, all the Bruce Boudreaux haters, and there were a lot of them, like a lot of people, well, who should the Kraken have a coach? All of a sudden, they got really silent after you. Oh, I love it. Yeah, well, in, in Vancouver, also very proudly, all you know, after every goal, we're all chanting "Bruce, there it is," <laughs> and, uh, which Vegas tried to steal that when they uh, hired Bruce Cassidy, and, and they got called out uh, appropriately. So the interesting thing that we see this year, there's a couple things, and just to to and and I think you know, backing up first, I think that Jim's um, Jim's predictions, I'm I'm kind of right in line with what he has to to say for the number. You know, there's a I think it's you know uh, thought that out really well. I kind of feel. Same way when I think of Vancouver, so there's um, Bruce Boudreau gets a full training camp. The beginning of last year, um, Elias Pettersson was injured. Brock Besser was coming off an injury. Um, didn't uh, uh, EP for you. Elias Pettersson had actually held out of training camp and, and joined the team late. Was working on his deal. Um, this year, Brock Besser has a new deal. They they've just kind of pushed a bunch of chips in by saying, signing JT Miller, who was a 99 point player last year, ninth leading scorer in the, in the entire league. Um, just gave him a, a $56 million seven-year deal, um, brought in, they, they were looking for more grit and speed. They did well in speed. They brought in Ilya um, uh, Mikheyev from Toronto, uh, brought in um, the, the leading scorer in the KHL and Andre Kuzmenko, right, who was a, a teammate of uh, um, Vasily Podkolzin. And so those who are reunited in Vancouver, um, on the low end, on, on the fourth line, they've stepped that up. They brought in Curtis Lazar from Boston, who we all, you know, know and love, right? And and he also played uh, minor, I mean, uh, juniors with Edmonton and, and and won a Memorial Cup there. So they, you know, they're they're the liabilities there are still on defense lacking, and the number one right defenseman. I mean, they have Quinn Hughes, who's now the leading, you know, is, is uh, has the highest number of points for uh, any. Um, in 52 years for any kind of defenseman. So they've got, you know, they've got, they've got some performance in the back end, but they are still suspect there. They have a top five goalie in Thatcher Demko. Um, who yeah, Demko was great last year. 
and and so the thought is and 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 it's one thing that that Boudreaux changed is they went from a kind of like this east west game with with Travis Green to moving to more north south and 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 kind of um, kind of pushing the play a lot more and also putting in um, putting in uh, his top players in Pedersen and Hughes on, on penalty kills right and that completely they had the worst they had a uh, the worst penalty killing in the league at 64%, right? So that, you know, so that's getting reset and that got, but they finished up you know, under the, you know, last two months of the season, they were at, at, at 85% penalty kill, right? So- Let me have you clarify a little something, because we we have some listeners who obviously know the game very well and all the nuances, but a lot, some don't. So I like to back up, because you said something yeah. very interesting about the, and because I hear pundits say this a lot, the North-South game as opposed to the East-West game. Can you talk a little bit about more of the mechanics of that? Yeah, the like mechanics. West so, is more passing and trying to, you know, back and forth, and, and North-South is more, you know, forechecking? Yeah, the, so the, the, the North, so yeah, so the East-West is kind of more conservative and kind of setting up a play and kind of passing, you know, horizontal. So when we consider the rink up and down, you know, the length of the ice is north south. You know, the, the width is east west. So east west game is I kind of move up the ice a little more slowly, more and kind of looking for these shorter passes that will you know, kind of try and spread things out. But but um, uh, it allows the defense to kind of set and challenge in the neutral zone, right? Whereas the north south is trying to is is if you're a faster team. Um, then you can um, you can take advantage of slower defense, for example, and move move the puck on beyond them and and dump it in and chase and and um, and and make the defense play from the their you know kind of behind their net and the and the, and the far ends of the ice, rather than than on the east west it's more about crossing the line trying to trying to get control right across the line rather than than forechecking. And how is there? How do they decide? How would a coaching staff decide which way to go? Is it kind of get to the point? The point you said about how speedy a team is as a whole. Is that what drives that? that? That's a big factor. Yeah, some of it is a big factor. Some of it is um, uh, some coaches are more tied to their system than they are to their players. Um, so. You know, so there's kind of varying philosophies in coaching, right? So one coach will come in, and and Travis Green is a very development del- developmental coach, very successful, won a Memorial Cup with the Portland Winter Hawks, uh, you know, went to the Calder uh, Cup Finals with the Utica Comets, um, but and and so he kind of dictates what style of play he wants, and it's very uh, kind of very rigid in terms of what roles and responsibilities are. Bruce Boudreau is really looking more at what you know, my goal here is to play in the offensive zone. He's not. He's not looking at. And he his philosophy is: if I can play in the offensive zone, my defense doesn't have to work as hard, right? So in order to do that, I I need to dump the puck in and and use use speed in order to to uh, you know gain control rather than trying to be more measured entering the zone. So is that something that's going to be a problem for the Kraken, that north-south? Like, how is how is the Kraken's defense? And, Jim, you can chime in, too, on this. You know, how do they combat a team like that? Can they combat a team like that? Paul explained that perfectly. Um, yes, they can. But he was – Paul was talking about, you know, coach, some coaches are in, into player development and some are locked into their system. Haxtell is a locked-into-a-system guy. Um 
it, it's a unique system. I know you know that, Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've struggled with it, but I'm hoping that by year two, the players from last year have adapted. Um, I just concerned about the younger players. Can, uh, they should be able to 32 team league. You should be able to adapt North, South, East, West game, regardless. Uh, some teams are built better defensively in a system to adapt to one over the other. Uh, I think that we would be better to defend on an East West as opposed to a North South, to be honest with you, because our D in our neutral zone can get caught because they're very aggressive on the Haxtell system. Uh, it's designed to close play early at the blue, but Paul, I think you're right. And I think, you know, on paper, there's enough speed for sure. And enough young talent, you, totally North South connects team. I can see it totally. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at an East-West team as as we used to call it in the early beer league days is the Slovakian cycle, <laughs> <laughs> but actually nowadays it's it's less puck handling and more passing in in the NHL and set play. Um, both of them work. It just depends on, like Paul said, the personnel and the coaching and and how well you can convey that with your players. Um, but I am, you know, going back to the whole Boudreaux thing, it's funny because when the Kraken were looking for their coach, of course Boudreaux's name came up. And I remember instantly thinking, oh boy, you know, not here. We're the city, the atmosphere is a bit softer, is harsh, <laughs> you know, the way he is, his character. Oh, his character is tremendous. He's on cameo, right? You can go hire him to go do a cameo for you. Exactly. You know, I just... know, but I, but I was pulling out the old videos where he was losing it in the locker room during the whole old oh, yeah. classic stuff. And I was like, do they really want this? They're, that's all the make them. Yeah. <laughs> although, so although like, you know, Tortorella was, I think people were more afraid oh. on that than Boudreaux, but Boudreaux for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But then I thought, then the talk moved to, um, from Seattle to Van. And I thought, no way that city's the same way. They're not going to accept him. And then of course he came in and I know Paul, it was awesome. It was just like, let's just go with this man. Well, one ten games out of the, out, the, out of the gate. I mean, ten. Right. Games, I mean that that goes a long way to build a lot of confidence, and the, and the team gained confidence through that. Yeah, but going back to your question, Chris, about um, the Kraken. I mean, I think well, I you know I really like a lot of the moves that Kraken made in this year. I'm real, I'm I'm bullish too. I mean, it's not a playoff team yet, but on a good trajectory. Um, and I like Jim. Think you know. And some of the things they've done can help get another 20 points. I mean, I think that, that I don't, don't, I mean, it's hard work, but I don't think it's it, impossible, right? It's not a playoff in you know, the bar. The bar has been 95 to 98 the last few years. But what I like is you look at the speed and, and the grid that is um, added up front, right? I mean, we all are super excited about seeing what we're going to see out of Matty Veneers, right? I mean, um, it starts out with a point of game, um, you know, not my expectation he's going to do that as a rookie, but, you know, he's going to get there um, and he's going to learn a lot this year. He's, he's a quick study and he's a smart player to add him and Shane Wright. You know, you've got another big guy. And so you, what, how do you neutralize some of that speed? You get guys like that and you have some of your own speed. I mean, I think having guys like Burkowski and and and, and uh, Burkowski and, and Bjorkstrand, right, those guys, those additions help with that team speed all of a sudden Seattle is starting to get a legitimate top six I mean the, the struggle last year was there wasn't a legitimate top six it was you know a bunch and, and, and kind of by design and when you look at the the um the expansion draft it was a you know a bunch of third and fourth liners and they did quite well and admirably for that right I mean they did better than Arizona 
right? Yeah. Uh, and third and, worst you know, record, not worst a second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. No, but I mean, yeah, and then they were competitive, the ones, right? But they, but you could tell they were missing some of those. I see things here where you know some of these guys that we loved last year are going to get pushed down the get, and should get pushed down the lineup, right? And 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 I think some of the moves they've done to bring some of these guys in and and you know and 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 new guys will step up on leadership. I really like you know Jordan Everly. I've always been a Jordan Everly fan. I was happy when he actually got out of Edmonton. Um, but uh, uh, I, you know I think that so looking at how these teams match up, I think that um, Vancouver's speed is going to be harder to handle. They're going to have you know like I said full training camp and and more time with with Boudreaux. They've got buy-in from players. They, they've you know. Their top players with Pedersen and, and you know Miller's locked up now. Pedersen and Hughes are not showing up late to camp, and and they've got these new you know kind of new guys they have to integrate in, um, you know, with Mikheyev and and um, uh, uh, Kuzmenko. But but I think that you're gonna I think that um, you know again Jim on paper Vancouver's made bigger improvements in Seattle, but I think Seattle has made the right kinds of improvements to be competitive, and I think that. Um, I mean, I, you know, Vancouver won all four games last year fairly easily. And I think that, that we're not going to see, even with the improvements, I think that we're not going to see that this year. Right. I think that, Agreed. 100%. Right. I have a couple of questions about the roster um, there in Vancouver. I will tell you right now, I am happy about the JT signing because I'm a fan of his game. Uh, I've had him in my fantasy league and he's saved my butt a couple of times. <laughs> Um, and he drops all his F-bombs like Bruce. And you know what? He, yes. And his contract, his contract is totally legit for his performance. Um, yes. It really is. There's there's no question about it. Um, I'm a fan uh, of Hoglander. I don't know where he's going to stand. He kind of needs a bounce back year this year after his second year was his sophomore year was kind of, uh, you know, but I'm and a fan been, of his and, play. And, and the improvements have pushed him down to the fourth line at this point. I know. Right? Which, it, which and, means, you know, the, the, the team's getting better, right? Exactly. And but, of but course, back on Homelander, I'm a, I'm a fan of Niels too, you know? Yeah, for sure. He's a gritty guy. I like him. I like his work down low. Um, but then I, I, I want to ask you about Demko. We all know he's pretty much been the talk of the league for the most part, you know, a top five-ish or whatever, top seven, eight. Um, could this, do you think this is going to be his breakout year? I, I really do. I think that, you know, I mean, so there's, there's two, two parts of this. I think that, so if we look at the history, you know, he's playing behind Jacob Markstrom. He came in and, and, and in the bubble playoffs, he really kind of broke out when he shut down Vegas and got in their heads and, and, and took them to seven games. And that almost, you know, knocked Vegas out earlier in the playoffs, which I think that none of us would, would shed a tear on that. Um, but, uh, you know, so then last year was his first, First full year, um, you know, uh, that's always a transition, and 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 the um, uh, you know uh, who they have. Let's see, Braden Holtby the one year, and who was uh, Halak? Halak last year, right? So Halak was kind of up and down, right? And yeah. He, um, and so there were a few times when when Demko would get the night off, and you know Halak would get pulled in the first period. Right. right. And, so, and so I think that kind of got on. So I think that, um, you know, they have Spencer Martin now as a backup. Um, and then they've got good depth. Spencer Martin came in, you know, he actually played with the abs about eight years ago, had a few, you know, right. you know, few, few runs in the show. 
Last year, he came in um, had an emergency basis and played five games. He he um, took took uh, Florida to overtime, and he took. I mean, he, and he played some some big, you know, some tough teams and and sit his own. So he's going to be getting a, a bunch more. So I think and much more time. I think that Demko is going to get some rest. But kind of the 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 kind of ace in the hole here is you well know is the uh, goaltender coaching with Ian Clark. Right, because Ian Clark, you know, started out over in in uh, Columbus and and uh, brought Bob Bobrovsky. Uh, Bobrovsky, uh, I always did that. Word. Right, you guys can help me out. Um, uh, Bob, we always call him, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's why everybody calls him that. But he, you know, had him break out and turn into a you know a, a really strong goalie. He did it with Jacob Markstrom. He's doing it with Thatcher Demko, and he's been doing it down down the Canucks lineup too with Spencer Martin and Alter, Alter, uh, Artos uh, Silos, right? Um, and, and Mikey DiPietro is kind of the odd man out now. But um, uh, so I think, uh, you know, I mean, goaltenders all go through slumps at some point. They have tough times. But I think that. Um, oh, yeah, you know, we know that. What's that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we know I mean, that. That won't right, we know that. So, the, you know, the, the challenge is Vancouver's defense is still not, uh, you know, not not to where they want it to be, uh, and it's really because they were they were uh, um, up against the cap, and and Jim Benning had made you know signed a bunch of kind of questionable contracts that didn't leave a lot of cap room to make changes, and they've been trying to trying to shed cap and unsuccessfully to make changes on on defense. So, kind of going with the defense they have now, it's not. Horrible, but it's you know probably middle of the road. It's so so counting on the changes in the forward lines to be able to take pressure off of of um, of Thatcher Demko, and I think that's the biggest issue in a gym when you think about that is how can they limit shots against against him? I mean, when he's on fire though, he's he's one of the best goalies in the league. You know, he's yeah. got a nine four zero save percentage and 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 he gets in people's head and he's big and he just yeah big guy i mean yeah intimidating back there and uh you know i it, it's uh you know just looking at the big picture you know and this is maybe more of a marketing thing but i also think just a psychological thing for the seattle fans you know everybody it kind of feels like everybody's just waiting for this seattle vancouver rivalry you know because they're just up the road and everything so we should be rivals and it's hard to have a rival when you you get swept like that for for zip uh and none of those games i mean there were some good games but they weren't like compelling it wasn't like you know fights or super close games or whatever where we're like oh god you know or super important because the kraken were you know making the playoffs and we weren't even sure if the canucks no. at the time so maybe we can except, the season, open, except yeah. the season opener except the season yeah. opener except the season opener where the guy behind the bench flipped off connor garland and <laughs> so he took the puck oh, down yeah. and well that whole yeah. season opener was pretty electric actually it yeah. was so much fun yeah. it was it was yeah i know i i, I wish we had that all that well we, when we when as we improve we're gonna have more games like that i mean that's just the start right really. Think about when this team. Yeah, because I think you know I've said it in an earlier episode, and I've said it you know off mic. You know, I I can't think of well, with maybe the exception of some, you know, I've never been to a Green Bay Packers you know game or whatever. But when they were in their their uh, lean years, maybe this happened. But I I don't know if I've ever personally seen a more enthusiastic fan base for a losing team 
than I saw this year, the Seattle Kraken games. And yeah, it's a new thing. And yeah, it's new arena and, and all of that. But, you know, they were well out of the playoffs and them, you know, having a comeback win or something, you know, or, or, or some great game or some win. So it's still so loud. We saw, you know, maybe a little drop off at, you know, some, you know, mid parts of the, you know, on a Wednesday night game, but so many games, Jim, you and I are sitting there and people are just going nuts. And I'm thinking, you're going nuts for this? This <laughs> team gets more competitive and makes the playoffs. The roof is going to blow up. It's so fun. I mean, it's so loud. I just remember that streak around Thanksgiving where they're beating Washington and Carolina and, yep. you know, Florida, right? Or, or at the end, beating, beating uh, Colorado, right? Right. So, yeah. you, but but one thing, you know, I mean, you think about building a rivalry. So, close games, need to have the close games, right? That's part of it. Um, need to, there's always characters and need to kind of know the players. I mean, if we go back to the, the Seattle Portland rivalries that we've all, you know, that we've had um, growing up, Jim, that, that, you know, it was all, you know, Connie Madigan against, you know, right. Who, who's going to drop the gloves. And it's not always about dropping the gloves. It's also who are the good players. I mean, think about, you know, Dennis Holland and Troy Mick from the Portland Winterhawks. Right. And, right. and, and, and so, um, the, and we need Connor Garland and Brandon Tanev to get in each other's face every game. I, no, right. I mean, you need you need something that's going to carry over where people remember. I mean, even this year, people remember the brawl with the Mariners and the and the Angels, right? So, yeah. Um, but the other part is, and, and you know, and we've talked about this offline, is that that I think that the league is not is doing a disservice to this in not scheduling weekend games, and particularly weekend games in Vancouver. This is the second year in a row where the games are, are midweek, Tuesday and Thursday. And not only, so it's, you know, Tuesday, the 22nd of, of December. So not bad. It's, you know, Christmas. So if, if, in a time, so that's not bad. But the other one is, is the 8th of April. It's the next to last game in the season or something like that. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's, or the 4th of April, I, I, take, I take it back, but, but it's, um, so, you know, it's, and, and we've had border restrictions and all these kinds of things. It's easier to cross the border now than it was last year. So take that in, but, but, but they're not putting those, you know, rivalry games in. If you look at, you know, I look at my Canucks weekend schedule and the Saturday day games are Calgary, Edmonton, right? True. You know, they've been longtime rivals for the Canucks. Uh, Boston is another uh, Saturday game, Toronto, Right. Yeah. And and so they're they're using those for their Saturday games because those are big anchors. Seattle needs to be one of those anchors for the, for that for that rivalry to happen. The same thing needs to happen here. We need to have back to backs, right? We need to have you know, and they, they they do this in Calgary and Edmonton with with the Flames and the Oilers, or with the Flames and the Canucks, or you know the Canucks and the Oilers, right? Or Winnipeg even, right? Where you know, you're playing Friday night in Seattle and Saturday night in Vancouver. That kind of yeah, stuff. I'm guess, I'm guessing though somebody's looking at ticket sales and they're like, all right, well, Canucks, you know, that's going to sell or that people are going to show up for that any night of the week or whatever. We need, you know, more people to show up for the, you know, I don't know making it up, the Columbus game or the you know, <laughs> Blackhawk, you know what I mean? Or just, or Detroit game, though that's been on a weekend, you know, that kind of thing. I, I'm guessing, but yeah, who knows? It's also it, depends it, on it's it, scheduling has so many factors in it. So, but I, I agree with you, Paul, that would help for sure. 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, and to your point, I think that some of it is about trying to trying to fill the buildings, especially post COVID, um, and and you know, tail them down. But now, I mean, the uh, as the Canucks are improving, they're they're not sold out like the as, as sold out as the Kraken are yet. But the season ticket base has gone back up, and and with another year or two like this. It's not going to matter what day of the week it is because all the tickets will be sold. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we touched on, you know, back in the 2011 days. I mean, it was tough to get a Canucks ticket and, uh, you know, kind of ebbs and flows on how that team goes. There's a little fair where the fans there, but uh, keep teams on this trajectory. Yeah, for sure. That's that's going to bring a lot more excitement to Vancouver. Um, but plus, you know, the speaking of scheduling, I mean, you guys got to, you know, schedule yourselves. Uh, you know, you, you you know, for your own games, right? You both play, right? I wanted to talk about how you guys know each other. You you go way way back. How long have you been you've been playing oh, I wish to together, right? Let's, let's take a stab here. So I was thinking about this the other day. Paul and I have known each other since at least squirt level hockey at Pee Wee. Anyway, right? Yeah, you know, I so I started uh, I started skating in early 1970 and I started playing hockey then too. I mean, I, you know, right. learned to skate in two months, three months later, I was playing hockey. So like in probably March or so, like in 1970. Yeah. So, so and, and we, yeah. I, I joined in season, right? So, which, yeah. cause they take us. <laughs> yeah. I'd already been playing, uh, at, at East We grew up in Bellevue. Uh, he grew up in Newport Hill or Newport, right? Correct. Newport Hills, on the hill. yeah. Uh, I grew up in, the Clyde Hill area and East side was the amateur hockey association in Bellevue. We had two rinks. We had the Bellevue ice Plaza uh, next to the freeway in Bell downtown Bellevue, which is no yeah. longer there. And we it's had the Northeast fourth exit now. I yes. Think. Correct. <laughs> and then we, I actually worked at that rink too. And I said, okay, along with Louis Trello. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, but then we had the, our, our best barn was over on the east side of the town at Crossroads, uh, Crossroads Ice Plaza, or Crossroads Ice Rink. And yeah. uh, we spent many a times there, Paul, um, growing mm -hmm. up, uh, sponsored by Totem Lake. Uh, we played rep hockey uh, for, for the least, well, I think Pee Wee on. To uh, yeah, Pee Wee on. I think my, my midget, year, I, uh, midget years, I, I moved over to Snow King. So because well, we both did. We, we, we both I did, was, right? Yeah, that's right. We both handsome. did. Yeah. I spent my last five to, get, to get the bigger ice of Highland Ice Arena. <laughs> well, the bigger ice, and we just knew we had to go over there to expand our game. But uh, yeah, that was Linwood Ice Arena was brand new then. That was the gem of the Northwest, really. Um, wouldn't you say so, Paul? Well, yeah. I mean, our team uh, we traded moving slate into the. I remember this. Vividly, they were they had put down the base for the, uh, the ice and poured the ice yet, but they had all yeah. the pipes in, and uh, we traded moving in all the slate into the entryway in the foyer yes. for ice time, right? I so they said, yeah, how are we going to move all this stuff? And they said, oh, we got all these sixteen-year-old hockey players. We can get put them to work, and we'll give them ice time. Yeah, I, and I want to add another thing. Our we had some very good clubs that uh, we would yes. play. When we played rep hockey, we traveled, we played in BC. I always joke around saying, you know, we spent half of our youth till 18 years old crossing the border playing hockey. And yeah. we we cleaned house up there very often. So we had good coaches, we had good players. It was a hell of an experience. And we pretty much played very well throughout the lower mainland of BC and, and walked away easily over 500 hockey. 
One of my best memories was uh, we played a like Friday Saturday night at um, as mentioned. So we were playing at Abbotsford, right? The Abbotsford Arena, the old one, which it, and it was, had about forty five hundred. It was sold out, and because uh, that's they didn't have junior hockey there, yeah. you know. And now, of course, they've got they've got the AHL. But um, I remember we we win and we get booed, we score yeah. goal and get booed, and there was how old were you for this? On. We were mid- was that. So that's what 15, 16? 16 years old, yeah. yeah. Uh, getting booed. Yeah, getting booed, yeah, getting booed by four thousand people. And it was, you know, you go and put your hand up and go, come on. Yeah, no, bring it, was, it after scoring a goal is really fun. I can remember playing in the old um the only time we took a bad waxing was uh when we played a team up in Juan de Fuca. Do you recall that, Paul? Yeah, that was the best hockey club I've ever played in my life. Yeah. And uh, we played in their in one of their, their home barns. And then the next day, the association or that team worked a deal to get another team from one. If you get the, uh, I want to say lesser team, but somebody that just wasn't as strong, maybe the second best team up there. Yeah. And we played in the old Coliseum up there, which was just a beautiful old barn with the typical wood bleachers. And we showed up to play this team. And then the team that waxes the day before that wanted to figure triple a select was all in the stands rooting for us. Yes. And I remember so, this. Oh, that was so, so fun. great, man. So they were there. Every time we'd get a goal, they were like, yeah. And yeah. you know, of course they knew the other players on the other club there and they couldn't believe it. It was, it was a pretty good time, but there was just countless times of, of in the van in whatever moving from rink to rink and, and playing great hockey. And I said, every lower mainland city we hit, Oh yeah, absolutely. Chilliwack, I remember on the island and off. Yeah, yeah, I remember playing on that Chilliwack barn, enjoying that. Um, it was just good. So Paul and, and so I the the teams that you that. guys could look up to. I mean, the only teams that were in the region were, well, earlier on, maybe not when you're seventeen, but Seattle Totems obviously they were around, and but then you know, and the Thunderbirds, a little later, Junior League, and and the Vancouver Canucks were around. So I mean, that's right. That's the only yeah, pro, the whole- semi-pro that you could watch. Right. We, Paul and I saw the, the whole transition of the Seattle totems in the WHL with the Vancouver Canucks and the movement from the Canucks to the NHL bid in 1970 with mm-hmm. the Buffalo Sabres. And so we obviously became, you know, Canuck fans overnight. Like, all right, well, that was my number two team, obviously. Yeah. Cause they had the Bruins. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Like a little guy named Bobby his... Orr a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But then, and I will admit, and Paul knows this, you guys all know this. I was a Vancouver was my number two team. Mm-hmm. Until the ugly, ugliness of 2011, and I took it too personal, and it still holds with me because that was just. Oh, I well, it, it was a brutal series. It, it was both sides. Ugly, it was an ugly series for sure. It was totally and, ugly, but we went to the finals and had a great time. You know? Yes, and I will admit that when I do my 32 team, we used to be 31, but now it's 32 uh, ranking every year, where I teams pretty much stay in their position, but they get some movement. <laughs> I think Vancouver's moving up a couple notches from the bottom. So there you go. They're not as hateable, <laughs> huh? There you go. Well, and then you guys, uh, I don't know, we ever talked about this in any of our other episodes. You you guys still play to this day, right? That's correct. And 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 maybe not traveling all over BC, but you're playing in the local rinks. You mentioned one that, tournaments. Oh, we do, do you tournaments okay. out of state? Yeah, we do tournaments out of state. And- yeah, Paulie plays up in the Seattle League. I play down in Tacoma. I don't play in the league in Tacoma anymore, but I play in a team, a, a club of guys I played with forever now uh, that does do some traveling periodically to tournaments, you know. And uh, it's just good hockey. And Paul and me keep saying, 
you know, somehow we got to cross it up and get you down here or me up there or whatever. And it, you know, we want to, but it's kind of hard with, you got rosters full of players and you're supposed to see who's on, you know, skating that night by looking online and to find that plug and play thing. It's really hard to, fit a guy in the roster but well maybe we can talk we'll probably a little be bit about, about 70, this, uh but... you know i don't think i haven't told you jim but we've got a uh interviewed tentatively scheduled uh with a fellow named andy cole i don't know if either yeah. of you guys oh, know yeah. andy but he's the director of well yeah. he's been the director of adult hockey for many years and now yeah, that's what the Kraken hockey league is so i met andy recently and um and through the team uh we're going to bring him on and talk a little bit about community cool. hockey so i think that'll be great we'll have a nice uh chat with them i also want to mention you guys uh dropped you know all the different barns and arenas and everything and the, you happen to mention the old highland ice arena and that's an oldie i mean that's like you know i think uh well sadly it's going to close soon i think close on its i forget now it's either the i think the 60th anniversary which is like october fifteenth. it's closing Huh? Sure. 50 it's closing on october 15th no october yeah october but yeah. that's like an anniversary week i think they're oh, kind of yeah. holding it yeah 60 whatever that whatever that you know year i think it's 60 yeah the family that's been in this family's uh you know uh life for for many years and i think uh they just had enough and uh the old barn needs a lot of fix up and uh you know developer coming in and it's got one of those you know proposed use signs in front of it Soft spot for me, I didn't play hockey there, but I actually literally learned how to skate there, whatever that was, five years ago, I guess it was. I know, I talk a lot about hockey, and as an adult, oh. I've only relatively recently learned how to skate from these uh, nice ladies there that would, uh, you know, set up these uh, adult hockey class, uh, excuse me, well, there are adult hockey classes, but adult uh, skating classes. So no, I didn't have to learn with a bunch of six-year-olds, although the six-year-olds are learning, you know, down on the other rink. But uh, it, it's such a, uh, I, I'm kind of, part of me surprised because I'm thinking well, now that we have the crack and, well, now we're going to see more ice rinks up. We're not going to, let's not lose any. I mean, granted, we have the crack and ice plex and that's, it's a great facility and number of rinks and that. So that's wonderful. But uh I don't know. I, I a tear almost comes to my eye. It may it may in October uh losing that building, guys. I'm, I'm with you. My, my one of my old beer leagues is uh having a barbecue up there on the 24th, and we're all gonna be and playing playing there one last time. That's um, great. Before it goes away. I, of course, played amateur with Paul there many times. I went to many uh hockey camps, summer hockey camps back in the day, which were you know, they had Seattle Totems guests. I think some Canucks came down a couple of times. Um, Howie Hughes and, and uh, yeah. Joe Ward. And, yeah. All those guys, man, every one of them. Uh, and then again in beer league, when I was playing in the Seattle leagues, uh, played there quite a bit. And then I remember Paul, when you said, or not, I remember Chris, when you said you were going to start getting involved in skating and you told me on the phone and I was like, all right. And you told me you were going to Highland. I thought, Oh man, do I got some memories there? I mean, it was a, you know, a beater barn for a long time. There's no question about it. The, uh, the ice, the <laughs> so ice it. shape, the ice shape was weird. Um, it was short, but it was wide. The boards were really high, kind of like the old Burian boards. Remember Burian rink? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God. And I, I don't know how many, I mean, obviously you guys are in a lot of ice rinks and you, you know them intimately well. I mean, I've skated on the ice plex. I've been to Linwood. Uh, I've been to uh, a couple of rinks in, uh, in Massachusetts. And I've been to Highland, and Highland was the only one that I noticed. Granted, I'm not looking at this with a, with a microscope, but this 
there's like hills like i'm just sort of standing and i start coming oh, yeah. down you know and it's like there's like a little bows and there's these little divots right by the by the boards and i'm like you know and i'm you know and then where the zamboni comes out it always like leaves a little bit of like you know extra water so you're going over these little bumps and and I'm just trying to learn how to skate, and this stuff's freaking me out. You guys, you're used to it, but I'm just like, that's the only thing I've noticed that with. <laughs> no, Pond eyes. Yeah. You know what? Pond eyes, yeah. Get, you never get used to it, to be honest with you. You know about it, but it it, it can suck. So, so, Chris, think about that, and then think about what it does to the puck, and think the ice is that way. The boards are as wonky as well. So the puck, there's no true bounce there. And there's sometimes where the puck's good, you want it to wrap around and all of a sudden it takes a bounce and ends up right in front of your own goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Made for a kind of entertaining, interesting game. But you know, as, as tough an old barn as that was, the worst barn in the history of the state of Washington was the old Linwood or Lakewood barn in Tacoma. Basically, it was right planted on pylons right on uh, Lake Silicon. That, well, I had that, that trap the door, yeah, and the puck would go out the trap door where they dump the snow off when they do the ice. They would shovel the snow. They, I don't even know if that is zamboni. No, they sometimes had, they would open. What's that? They they had one of those. Uh, I'll call it an airport pusher or a, a taxi that pushes. You know, they had the two guys yeah. on the bar and the blade behind it. Yes, and they would right. they, It was always a dry cut, no water. Yes, always and, a dry cut. Do you remember how dark that building was yes. on the inside? And there was that old school round, big, huge clock in the corner, like old right. school analog, like cardboard thing. And the buzzer was so obnoxious. And the but the, bringing it all back. I know. <laughs> but the coolest thing about that whole, you know, there was nothing cool about it. But the coolest thing about it was the lobby side part where the uh, in the bar, basically, where they had that fire pit and you could sit yes. around it perfectly and eat. And I just remember as a kid, they had the best tuna sandwiches anywhere. Oh, yeah. And I used to just love going there to eat after a game. But, it, you know, we would lift, even when we played at Eastside, which was not as good as Snow King, but it was probably number two in the region uh, as far as the associations go for the talent. We would wax Tacoma. I felt bad when we would leave that building, you know, because it would literally be 21. Oh, and even when they moved to Sprinker, it was the same way. Yeah, although we, we brought twenty goals on them. Yeah, Sprinker was a huge deal um, when they built that venue, and uh, that's when the program slowly started to Taha took off. And you know, I can remember tournaments being hosted down there. I can remember Burian showing up. Burian was always kind of the the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, the bullies. You know, well, they had Lexi Donner, you know, who's been running the the, the ice down in Kent forever now. Exactly. Right? Well, now, do you think are we gonna? Oh, yeah, there's a Kent. I I actually I skated at Kent once too. Yeah, but the uh, is uh, are we probably gonna see some other ice rinks pop up? Because I'm just thinking when Bobby Orr and the Bruins, and that was a big thing when I was a kid. A lot sprouted up. I th I think it's inevitable. I mean, we've already seen it in Snoqualmie, right? They've got twin rinks over by the casino there. Um, and uh, I, it, it happened in, uh, in Columbus that when they, when the yeah. jackets moved into Columbus, they, youth hockey took off and it built a lot more, more you know, much more rings. Right. Yeah. And a lot of what they did there, cause I talked to somebody from there once who, uh, was another CD member there. And he was, um, 
said that you know the the team and the players did a lot of outreach and so i think that that's kind of key too but but and and they build more rinks and we're seeing yeah and we're seeing crack and do that so it'll be interesting to see but you know we tip our hat to those old rinks and you know and uh thanks for the memory island ice arena i'm going to try to go there at least one more time uh, myself what's the closing Uh, date again october 15th yeah i should see if i can get up there yeah. And there's going to be, and I think they're, they're doing some little party or reunion. I saw something on Facebook. There's something, I think they're going to try to do something special that day, but uh, yeah, anyway, that, that it'll be missed, but uh, a lot of other opportunities and everything for youth and for adults. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that since this is the first time we've had you on Paul and a little bit of your background. Yeah, I hear the war that. stories from Jim and I wanted to, uh, you know, sort of uh, shift that. You got to stop us because we go on forever. I just want to. Yeah, I know. I am going to stop you right now. Exactly. But it's all good <laughs> I, I, I just wanted Jim to think about when I, when you said the worst rink, I thought you were going to say that ammonia filled place in Yakima. Oh, um, I get what you're saying, but I have to give it the handicap anyway. It's straight up front because where it is. Didn't they have chicken wire? Bonafide yeah, chicken, wire, man, chicken wire. <laughs> I just remember this that place still and, around. Uh, you know, I don't know, uh, but 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 there was a warehouse kind of just off the interstate, <laughs> what's now the interstate there, and and literally when you got off the ice off your shift, you had to go stand outside because the ammonia smell was too strong. God, I for, almost wow. See you, damn kids, listening. <laughs> you think your heart life's hard? Yeah, we had we used to play them in the ammonia with chicken wire. We liked it that way. Yeah. yeah, crazy. I love it. I love it. Well, great stories, guys. We could go on all all night, but uh, yeah, well, Paul, thank us. you, thank you for joining us, Paul Brownlow. Yeah, it's all the fun. fun sight. Thanks, Paul. And uh, you know those predictions. We'll see. We're gonna we're gonna keep this in mind. How how is the Pacific Division gonna end up? But uh, I think we're all on the same page. I more or less agree with you. I didn't mention earlier. I more or less agree with you guys. So, um, but uh, you know, they gotta play the game, and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. Also, in training camp, and so there could be some more changes with the Kraken, of course, too. So, and that's coming up soon. So we'll have a lot to talk about on our next episode. Uh, so thanks much, guys, for joining us. Uh, also, as always, thanks much. To our producer Jay Middleton, uh, we'll be back a little bit later in September and uh, and uh, talk more about more happenings. We'll have some training camp things to talk about and some more uh, prospects and things like that to talk about as well. So for for uh, Jim Cockrell and uh, Nathan Gunderson back next next uh, or in a couple of weeks, uh, I'm Chris Porter. We thank you very much for tuning in, and as always, we say, go Kraken! Kraken. Kraken.